You know, when God created the world, he created light. And light gives life. Light causes things to grow. I remember as a child, the, do they still teach geography or is it just social studies now? We had a geography class, and in that geography book, they, this lady was holding up this cabbage that was so big, you know, and they were saying the reason this cabbage had gotten so big is because Alaska has so much sunlight in the summer, and it causes things to grow enormously large. And we think of Alaska as being cold and barren, and yet during the summer, because of the extreme amount of light it has, it becomes very, very productive. And you may be here today and you feel cold. You may be watching online and you feel kind of barren. But Jesus came into this world so that you and I might have light and we might have life. As a matter of fact, there was a Christian school in this community years ago called Light and Life Academy. And I don't know why they named it that, but when I think of that, I think of Christ coming into the world to bring us light. And the more you study light, light is healing Light is, is transforming. Light is warming. Life does so much in our lives that we never even think about. And so when we say that Jesus is the light of the world, and when we put up our Christmas lights, and when we decorate like we've done here at Woodland for Christmas, what we're testifying to is what Martin Luther caught a hold of years and years ago when he lit those first candles on a Christmas tree because the green stood for him as, as eternal life, the green of the tree, and then the light stood for him as Jesus being the light of the world. And so I'd like to talk to you for just a few moments about the light of the Lord. And in 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 29, read these words with me this morning. O Lord, you are my lamp, and the Lord lights up my darkness. So would you read that with me? O Lord, you are my lamp, and the Lord lights up my darkness. Now, something else that God created in the beginning is he created night. He created darkness. And at that time in the world, darkness did not hold the terrors that it holds today. At that time in the world, Jesus would not have said that evil people love the night or they love the darkness because of their deeds of evil they can do. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, her father-in-law, a missionary, Nelson Bell, a missionary to China, wrote a wonderful book that I read years ago as a young man, and it was probably the most hopeful description about heaven, but he described what the Garden of Eden was like before human beings fell. And in that garden, he says, imagine where men and women got along together. Imagine where a husband and wife loved one another. Imagine that when a lion saw a deer, the first thing he wanted to do was not tear it apart, but just be curious about it. Imagine there was no violence, there was no bloodshed, there was no fang, there was no jungle that we imagine today because in the beginning there was light and dark and the nighttime was meant to be a blessing for us and for us to rest. God will say in his word to you and I, and some of you probably need this word if like us you've had grandchildren in your home, you're probably saying now it's the time for the fulfillment of that promise that God gives to his beloved sleep. Because our children don't want to sleep when it comes to Christmas time. Our children and grandchildren, they're, they're just wired up and ready to go. But 
God blesses us with the night, and God even makes a promise to us because of this fallen world that nothing in the night will harm us if we put our faith and trust in him. John must have been thinking about this as he began his gospel because what he said in John chapter 1 is not traditionally where we go for our Christmas Day message, but it's what I believe the Lord wants to say to you and say to me and say to those of you that are watching today. The Bible says this, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Jesus was not created. Look at me for just a moment. Jesus was not created. Say that with me. Jesus was not created. Jesus has always been. Jesus was. Jesus is. And Jesus will always be. Let's give him a hand of praise for that, would you? And today, more important than ever, because the only ones talking about this are are believers who love the Lord and know their Bibles who are talking about the fact that Jesus was more than a prophet or a teacher or a man. Jesus was God. God came and dwelt among us. And so John wants to get this home because there were people already questioning whether or not Jesus was really God. So he says, in the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Read that with me. And his life brought light to everyone. Say it again. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Father, I'm asking you in the next few minutes that you will let there be an explosion of light in our hearts and in our minds this morning. I'm asking you in the next few minutes that, Lord, we will truly grasp what it meant that Christ became one of us, that God became a man, that God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. And because he was sinless, he could take our sins upon himself And that, Lord, we could be declared sinless in your sight. I'm asking you on this Christmas morning that you would grant us the greatest gift of all. Father, a fresh awareness of your presence, revival in our souls, and Lord Jesus, an appreciation for what you've done. Now, I pray, Lord, as I do for those that are are sick and can't be here with us today. I pray for those in our church family who are grieving, Lord, three families who've lost a loved one from our family this week. This church, Lord, seeing three of our beloved members go to heaven. Lord, I pray for those today, God, who need comfort. And I pray, Lord, especially for the Jewish people today. And I think of all of my friends. I pray in Christ's name the Lord, you will open their eyes to behold that Jesus is the Messiah and you will forgive your people forever in any way, allowing anything anti-Semitic to cross our lips. I pray today, Lord, for our Muslim friends. I pray that, God, you will help them to see that Jesus was more than a prophet, but that he is the Son of God. He is God and has come to save and set them free. I pray for our Hindu friends, Lord, who God somehow or another are called up and and these religions, Lord, of the mountains and the rivers and the trees and spirits, Lord, that they will recognize that Christ has come to set them free from the superstitions and the bondages of what they believe. 
And Lord, I pray for our friends who have no faith at all, who call themselves atheists and say there is no God. Break in upon their darkness and make us, make each of us, Lord, a bright and shining light that the darkness can never extinguish. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, if you were here Wednesday night and Pastor Mark preached from this passage, he just stepped all over my message Wednesday night here at the church. And he preached it perhaps much better than I'm going to be able to preach it this morning. But he used an illustration that I used last night. I'm going to use it again. And, and that was that he and his family visited a cave. I think it was Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. And when they turned out the lights in this large room, and he took special pains to tell us that you could have fit this huge whale in this room. That's how big it was. And you couldn't see your hand in front of your face because of the darkness. And then the guide had wandered away about 70 feet from the tour group he was taking. And he pulled out a lighter and he lit it and he held it up. And Mark powerfully and dramatically said, the darkness could not extinguish the light. And because our eyes had become so accustomed to darkness that suddenly just the light from that one tiny flame, it made this whole cavernous room just light up. Do you remember those days when you were living in sin? Do you remember those days before you first came to know Jesus Christ? Do you remember those days when darkness was a part of your life and you first met Jesus and you kind of felt like Debbie Boone, that Jesus just lit up your life, that Jesus filled your life with light and suddenly the light and the love of Jesus was so brilliant you were almost completely overcome and overwhelmed with joy. What happened? God stepped into the darkness of your sin and my sin. God stepped into the darkness of our sin, and he brought us the light of his presence. He brought us more than the light of a candle. He brought us more than the light of a torch. He brought us more than the light of a, of a warm fire. But he brought us the very light of his presence, and Christ came to live within us. And as Christ came to live within us, suddenly we began to understand what life was all about. Suddenly it began to dawn on us who we really are, that we were not victims of our circumstances, but that God has called us to be more than overcomers. And if you feel like somehow or another this Christmas that you're a victim of your finances, you're a victim of your family background, you're a victim of your health, I want you to hear good news this morning. God's light heals. God's light transforms. If you'll join us next month, you'll see how God will transform your life even financially. God will take your entire life and he will give you abundant life because God breaks the power of that that broke us and made us captive, and that's called sin. And we mock it. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Either you've gotten really cold about who the light is and you've forgotten how brilliant Christ is and who you are. When I think about that, everything in me, my little boy just jumps up inside of down because I'm free in Christ this morning. You see, it is sin that broke us. It's sin that brought the pain into our lives. Some of us may have thought, well, gee, I wasn't that sinful. And if we think that, then we really don't understand how deep and how dark the darkness was within us. It's like one little girl, or she was a young woman when I did their wedding. When I asked her to tell me her testimony, she looked at me and she goes, oh, we don't need to do that again, do we? And I looked at her and I said, yes, we do. And I said, if it ever loses 
is joy. If it ever becomes boring to you, if it ever becomes something that is wrote to you, you need to come back to the altar and ask God to give you a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit because if you take Jesus for granted, you will take this man for granted. He lifted up his hand right then and he says, I'm ready to tell my story. I'm ready to tell my because the more you love Jesus, the more you can love those around you. Look at John 12, 46. Jesus said, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I'd like you to write to the side of your outline by this verse of Scripture later. You can do it now if it comes right to mind. What are you in the dark about this morning? What's troubling you? What's confusing you? What is it that you need understanding from God? And just jot that out because Christ has come so that as you trust him, you will no longer remain in the dark. And you say, well, pastor, how does Christ do that? Well, first of all, his word, God's word becomes a revelation light in our spirit and in our lives. And it makes us radiate with the glory and the joy of the Lord. I chose these words carefully, revelation light, because I really don't trust people who come up to me and say, oh, I've got a new revelation, and then they begin to tell me something. But when people can come to me and say, here's something from the Word of God that I never knew before. Here's something that God just made to jump out from His Word at me. Here's something that's just inspired me. Because a lot of times when people talk about a new revelation, they're talking about something that's kind of off the wall. But when we come to the word of the Lord, God gives us understanding and God gives us wisdom. The one who taught me the most about this was Dr. Paul Youngy Cho. When I had a great conversation, a private conversation with him in Atlanta, I said, Dr. Cho, as someone who's still experiencing a lot of health problems and health issues, help me to understand what you mean when you say that the Word has to become alive in us. I, I understand that theologically. I can explain that. I can write that on a paper. And Dr. Cho, who pastored a church of over a million people in Seoul, Korea, a million people who met weekly, daily, there were people praying and interceding, a million people who were seeking God, a million people that some people have said that it was a result of the persecution that came when the Japanese occupied Korea and all of a sudden Korean Christians out of their suffering and out of their darkness they turned to the light of Jesus Christ and we've seen the miracle of what's happened in South Korea especially when compared to what's happened in North Korea that is still a land of darkness. As a matter of fact I would challenge you to do this go home today and look up a Google map of South Korea and North Korea and look at the nighttime image and you will see South Korea a glow in light and you will see North Korea practically dark. I'm telling you the Word of God has more than just spiritual blessings. God's Word has practical down-to-earth blessings that you and I can live in every single day. God's Word has revelation light for us. Psalms 19 and verse 9. The revelation light of his word, God's word, makes my spirit shine radiant. Every one of the Lord's commands is right, and following them brings cheer. And nothing he says ever needs to be changed. That's why when somebody comes to me and says, oh, I've got a new revelation, and it flies in the face of the word of God, I go, no. There's nothing in the word of the Lord that ever needs to be changed. St. Simon's Island, Georgia, back in the early 80s, I prayed a prayer. 
I was in the chapel. St. Simon's was the place where John Wesley had served as a missionary. And I knelt down and I said, Lord, I hope and I pray that you'll help me to preach in such a way that I will never have to apologize for any message that I've ever preached. Now, I will tell you, I can apologize for the way I preach those messages. But even when I go back and I look at those messages, the Word of God remains the same, and it remains true. And I can't look at a single message, and I'm just going through the stage of my life where I'm going through so much and looking at year by year the ministry journals and ministry diaries that I've kept up with and messages that i preached. And some of them I've listened to, and oh, I could have done so much better. Do you ever feel like you could have done better if you had a second chance? That's what I love about the game of golf when I play with good people. They look at me and they say, Pastor, take a mulligan. When I play with bad people, they go, no, you play it where it lies. You play it where it lies. I mean, their rule stickler, one of my best friends, Randy Valamont, always carried a little clicker in his pocket, and he was always clicking, and he would say, no, you got to play it where it lies. He was so competitive. But really good people, people that are born again, they say, Pastor, take a mulligan. The problem with the message is you don't actually usually get a second chance to preach that message again unless you're a traveling preacher. As a pastor, you keep preaching the same word and the same message. That's why it's important to stay right, focused and centered in the word. Because if we do, God's spirit will make us shine. It will make us radiant. Do you know one of the ways when I worked in mental health when we knew a patient was getting better? Not when we were giving them drugs, although sometimes that helped. But suddenly when they began to get it, when they began to get what the psychiatrist was telling them, what the treatment was, suddenly there began to be a glow on their face. And we knew they were getting better. There is no excuse for a down-in-the-dump, grumpy, complaining, moaning Christian that is living in darkness. God has not called us to be moaning myrtles. He has called us to be children of the light. Can we give him a hand of praise for that today? <laughs> Christmas also means that Jesus will take me by the hand and he'll keep me from falling. He'll take me by the hand. My grandsons and I walked to the park this week on a particularly cold day. I mean, it was blustery and it was windy. And I got home and we, they bundled up and wanted to go down to the park and play. So as we're walking to the park, Davin reaches up and he slips his hand in my hand. And we walk for a while and then he says, Papa, let's run. Fortunately, he's at that age where I can keep up with him. It won't be long <laughs> before I won't be able to. So we ran a little bit and... Then he stopped and he goes, Papa, let's take a break. <laughs> I was never so glad to hear those words. And he reached up and he put his hand in mine again. And when we got to the park, he says, Papa, let's run. So we took off running again. And he goes, Papa, you need a break, don't you? <laughs> and so I stopped and we, we laughed and we, we played. But we, we're coming back and the whole time we're playing on the playground. And, and I'm thinking, they must have what do you call that stuff you put in your radiator? Antifreeze. They must have antifreeze in their blood to, because they're so warm. They're so fun. Their faces are all aglow. But when it comes time to go home, he puts his hand in my hand. But something unusual happened. His older brother, Nolan, he had bumped his head. And so we had to leave the park a little early. 
And Nolan, who was too big to hold my hand, when his head was hurting, Nolan reached up and took my hand. Have you ever noticed that we're sometimes like that with Jesus? Sometimes we think we can just run on ahead without him. But Jesus will never let you go. Look at the word of the Lord. I'll take the hand of those who don't know the way. I'll take the hand of those who can't see where they're going. I'll take the hand and I'll be a personal guide to them, directing them through the unknown country. I'll take the hand and I'll be right there to show them what roads to take and make sure they don't fall into the ditch. These are the things I'll be doing for them, sticking with them and not leaving them for a minute. That is God's word for you this morning. Maybe you're going through a trial or a journey right now. You've never been there before. But there are people in this church that have probably been through what you're going through, and they can talk to you. They can help you as they go through. It's God's way of taking your hand. And even if you're facing something that you go, I don't know anybody else that's ever been through this. I can't imagine what it would be because at this con- in this church, everything I could think of this week, there's somebody in this church that has a painful story that could share with you how God pulled them through. Donna, Donna told me just recently as she and Alan were walking through their time of cancer, his cancer, she said to me, she said, Pastor, you'll never know how many times we said what you always tell us as a congregation, if you can stand the pulling, I'll pull you through. But you see, to be able to pull you through, you've got to keep your hands in the hand of Jesus. Have you ever had that child just snatch away from you? Have you ever had that child just decided they're going to cut and run and they run away from you and maybe you weren't even conscious of really holding on to their hand and you were occupied somewhere else and, and all of a sudden you find yourself chasing. I, I, I saw that. I, I worked in shoes when I was in Bible college and I'd see little kids break away from their moms and they'd run and they'd hide. And it was always so funny to me and everybody else in the store to watch the moms chase their kids on their hands and knees, calling for them, trying to pull them back. I'm telling you, for some of you this morning, maybe you're watching online. God's calling you, and God will do whatever it takes to get you back. God will move every valley. God will move every mountain. God will move every boulder. God will move every stone because he's the good shepherd, and he loves you more than any mother could ever love his child. So could I just offer you a little something this morning that I hope will help you understand this? You see, sometimes when doors close, sometimes when your travel plans have to change, sometimes when something disappointing you wanted to happen, happened, maybe that's God's way of protecting you and keeping you safe. Maybe that's God's way of saying, I love you too much to let you go that way. Because God is a good, good father. And maybe it's because suddenly you've just decided, I don't need to pray about this. I don't need to pray every day. 
I don't need to go to church. I don't need a small group. I, I don't need... You might be like one man who said to me, his name was Jimmy. His wife was Darlene. And he looked at me one day and he says, I love you, but I want you to know I don't need anybody but just me and my wife. And I appreciated the fact that he loved me. But I knew when he said those words, the day would come when he would need people that loved him around him and he would need a Savior that cared about him. We were created for God and for each other because in the beginning, there was no darkness or sin to separate us because Jimmy and Darlene did not trust other people. Look around you. Look around you. There are people in this room you can trust and do life with. Can you say amen? The Bible says, once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. That's not in the Bible, but I just couldn't resist. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to live as children flooded with revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen to you. What will life grow? Remember that big cabbage in Alaska? Remember the healing, the transforming? Remember the warming? Remember the power of the light that we talked about at the beginning of the message? This is the supernatural fruit of the light of Christ dwelling in you. Goodness, righteousness. Righteousness is a right relationship with others. And truth. And then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. Somebody say, come on, victory this morning. That is what God does in us. And then finally today, just one more verse of Scripture. Jesus said, I came to give life life in all of its fullness. Friends, the only thing God come to take away from you is to take away your sin. The only thing that Christmas is all about is that God came to take away our sins and to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, here's the deal. All of the shopping centers, all the Amazons, all the all the Costco's, all the Sam's and the Walmart's, all the office parties that have promised peace and joy and light that we've talked about during this Christmas season, all of that is temporary. Only Christ will give you light and life that will last forever. And maybe you need a miracle today. When we took communion this morning, my prayer was for Craig from our church that has been in a coma for three years and his wife stays beside him faithfully every single day. My prayer was for our little Josiah that God would reach down and touch and bring healing for Josiah. Say, Pastor, do you really believe God still does miracles like that? You can't believe in Christmas if you don't believe in miracles because Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. Christ died for our sins and he rose again on the third day. And one day, Jesus Christ is coming again. And when that trumpet sounds and we look up in the skies, 
and we see our Savior coming for us, we will be caught up in the air with him and there forever to be with the Lord. Christians are people full of light that understand miracles still happen today. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Lord, I bless this congregation today for we live in a culture The Lord Jesus actually discourages people from coming to worship on a Christmas morning when it happens on a Sunday. But they have come because they love you. And perhaps I've told them nothing new that they didn't know. But I am confident that, Lord, I put another log on the fire. I'm confident that, Lord, you have stirred up the embers of their heart and a blaze is burning once again. And as a star, Lord, led three wise men seeking your face, seeking the Savior, would you so use us as light so that we can help seekers today find you, know you, and I ask you, Lord, would you bless this congregation. Make the light of your presence shine upon them and shine in them today. And bless them with your favor and your peace. I ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And while your heads are still bowed and I want to talk to those of you online and perhaps some of you here in this congregation today. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, what better day is there than Christmas morning? I hope you hear inside of your heart that this is great news of joy for all people. That means you. That means you. That means you. That means, you. That means me. Or maybe you've served the Lord with a lot of passion one time and you've come up with all the reasons that's kind of held you back from being a blazing light for God's glory. I'm asking you to recommit your life or give your life to Jesus Christ on this Christmas Sunday morning. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room, would you pray with Becky and me And let's make a fresh dedication of our lives to the Lord. Now, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you can pray this with us as well. Pray after me, please. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. Thank you for his sinless life and his miracles. They demonstrate to me what my life can be and that, Lord, you will provide all that I need. Thank you for his sufferings and his death at Calvary, for his blood atoned for my sin. And thank you for his resurrection from the dead on the third day and his ascension into heaven with you. 
and I confess my faith in Him, and that one day soon Christ will return for me and all His family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for being here today. You're dismissed.